I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a look at music's effect on our everyday lives. I have a former student whose parents were both musically trained. One worked in music vocationally and the other did not. I found out that they originally met in a community band and they continued to play together in a community ensemble some 20 years later when I knew them. And that really caught my attention and I thought, wow, there must be something pretty special about being a part of one of these groups. Joining me today is Marlene Pauly, the music director of community music group, the Wyzetta Symphony Orchestra. Marlene performed as clarinetist with the world-class St. Paul Chamber Orchestra for 20 years before leaving to pursue conducting full-time. She has conducted concerts across the United States and has been with the Wyzetta Symphony Orchestra since 2010. Under her direction, the orchestra's budget has quadrupled and audience attendance has increased by 300%. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Marlene. Oh, thank you, Mindy. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, Marlene, if someone were to ask you, what is so special about community music groups? How would you answer that? Oh, well, I could just go on and on. Um, (laughs) But first and foremost, I I think it is self-evident, it is understood that human beings crave music. I mean, it's always been the case, uh, music everywhere. We, we all know that. It's this universal language that speaks to everyone. And we are, as human beings, just drawn to it, to the melodies and the rhythms. Um, so there are hundreds, thousands of musicians who have not necessarily chosen a life as a professional musician, but want to keep playing their instruments or singing in a choir, for that matter. And community orchestras give those musicians a chance to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. It's it's the desire of a musician to be part of something um, that you can, you can create something bigger than you could create alone. Mm. And when it works, when everybody is in sync performing a piece by Beethoven or even doing Pirates of the Caribbean or a Bach uh, great suite, the, the feeling that you get when it's all lined up, it doesn't matter if you're a professional or an amateur. Mm-hmm. It is still that golden, amazing feeling of creating something huge, magical, mm-hmm. mystical, And so community orchestras, I think there are about 22 community orchestras in the Twin Cities area. Oh, really? Wow. It's it's an incredible amount. And so you see right there, there's this need and demand for people who are musicians, are doing other careers, but they can't live without music in their lives. Mm. So that's the value of a community orchestra to me. And musicians who play in community orchestras or sing in community choirs, it's how they spend their free time. They're not getting paid. And so it's how they choose to spend their free time. One of the musicians said to me when I was being interviewed for the job, she said, Marlene, you have to create an environment that is challenging and that is really fun because this is the way we spend our time. Interesting. Well, I loved the document that you sent me. It was a document of quotes by Wyzetta Symphony Orchestra musicians and audience members that 
just expressed in their own words what the music of the orchestra means to them and how music enhances their lives. And some of the ones that really stood out to me, one of the musicians said, music in the community that is accessible for all is vital. Most of us do not have the privilege of earning our living in the music industry. So being able to participate in high quality, inspiring and engaging music activities is something I'm most grateful for in the Twin Cities. And yeah. other another said, personally, I think music is an involuntary expression, not totally unlike laughter or crying. That's what draws me most. When we make music together, we breathe, move, weep and laugh as one body. It's like empathetic telepathy. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So there, I mean, I could just go on. There are so many. And then some from the audience, too, that was really fascinating. Uh, One said, we enjoy the humor, camaraderie, and surprises at WSO concerts. The concerts allow us to escape the stresses of life and totally lose ourselves in the beauty, passion, and emotion and power of the moment. Music provides the community with a soul and gives people a reason to bond in a non-political collaborative way. We attend WSO concerts because they are just plain fun. It's a joy to watch the talented musicians having fun performing the audience having fun listening, and the conductor and special guests having fun with the creative programming. So tell us, tell us a little bit about this document and how you came to put it together. Well, it was because of you, Mindy. Um, you asked me to talk about uh, the value of music in community. Oh, so it was because of this episode. Absolutely. Oh, I thought it was something you had done earlier in the year, like maybe when the COVID started and you weren't able to perform as as much. Oh, okay. No, I I wanted to get more information about how people within the orchestra and uh, in our audience feel about the value of music in community. Um, and I think that document is is so valuable to me as a conductor to know sure. how people feel about it because I had never asked them to articulate it. And as soon as I wrote an email saying, just give me a couple sentences, they, they just came rolling in. They wanted to talk about it. And so I think for the Wyzetta Symphony Orchestra, I think audiences love what we do bec- is because we try to create concert events. We try to present entertaining, engaging, and enlightening programs that you could never curate on your iPad or your device at home. Mm. Like one time we had Dave Hall, who lives in New Orleans, uh, came up and played Beethoven Moonlight Sonata on a pink balloon. Yep. Oh, really? On a pink balloon. <laughs> and it was amazing. My bass player had come to me a couple years before and said, Marlene, you got to hear this guy. And he's playing on a pink balloon. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, he's playing a piece on a pink balloon. Just go on YouTube. And I said, sure, I will. And I didn't. And then a year later, he said, did you hear that guy? And so then at that point, I said, okay, I'll I'll go home and and I'll look on it. And there he was sitting on a stool with a pink balloon that he had inflated. And um, he had a, a pianist playing the accompaniment to Beethoven Moonlight Sonata. And then when the melody came in, he played it on a pink balloon, and it was pitch perfect. Oh, my word. Yeah. And so I Is called Is this him. on YouTube somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Beethoven on a pink balloon. Look it up. It's <laughs> really will. amazing. And his name is Dave Hull. And I called him. 
And he said, yeah, sure, I'll come. And I said, and beforehand, you can do a, a house concert at my house and we'll get people to come. And, and he came to my house and he played piano and honky-tonk stuff and Dixieland stuff on the piano. And then he did that concert on the Pink Balloon. I mean, we really try to do concerts that that sort of break the mold. One of our taglines is the orchestra that doesn't behave. Um <laughs> Because we don't do the the typical, it's becoming less typical, but for so long, orchestras did an overture, then a concerto, and then a symphony. And we just, we don't want to do that format anymore. Like we had Patrick Harrison, who is this amazing accordionist in town. Mm. He came and did some um, tangos. And we, on that program, we paired it with an American American in Paris because that was the time of the the tango was catching hold in Paris. So we did Gershwin American in Paris, and then we did these tangos with Patrick. And uh, another concert we did that, that all of us just loved. We did um, Gustav Holst the Planets, but we didn't do them all in succession. We did Mars, but before we played Mars. We had the president of the Minnesota Astronomical Society tell us about Mars oh, from an wow. astronomical standpoint. And then I talked about Mars from the astrological standpoint, which is where uh. Gustav Holst was coming from. And so we talked about those two. And then we played that movement Mars with images from NASA projected on screens above us. Oh, and my we word. did every planet like that. And so it those are the kinds of concerts that we love to do. And then one more, one of my most favorite ones was with Anne Bancroft, the great American explorer, adventurer who traversed Antarctica with Liv uh, Arneson from Sweden. And she came to talk about her projects uh, crossing the Antarctic, but also her river project. And she talked about her adventures in between music that I had chosen that was all about music. So we did um, seven pieces, and in between every piece, she talked about some aspect about her Arctic, Antarctic oh, exploration. Word. This is and right she, up my alley. I am sending all my students to you once you're able to play again. <laughs> yeah. And the other, other thing, Mindy, that was so interesting about Anne that ties right into this music is that she said, Marlene, you have no idea how musical the ice is at the Antarctic when you're <sighs> in your tent and you're hearing it. And it just is so, so musical as it's moving and cracking and shifting. Uh. And I thought, perfect, because human beings wouldn't know anything about music if it hadn't been in nature first. Mm. I mean, it's so obvious, right? I mean, bird songs and whale songs mm -hmm. and just the music is everywhere. All you have to do is just step outside. And so human beings have just found a way to sort of hone it and mm, make it more uh, ordered. Uh -huh. um, but it is absolutely everywhere in our world. And so I think that's why human beings crave it so much because it's in our DNA. Sure. Well, I'm amazed and kind of embarrassed that I hadn't really been familiar with Wyzetta Symphony Orchestra until now. What ways do you tend to do your marketing and kind of get the word about, out about these amazing concert experiences? Well, we try to figure that out all the time. Social media is our biggest thing. And then all of us send emails to our friends and relatives and stuff. It's... um. It's a challenge because I think what we do is really valuable and good. Actually, our concerts, um, we do all our concerts free because we want people to attend who don't, couldn't normally, couldn't mm -hmm. afford a ticket. And mm -hmm. so 
Um, but we, we, our concerts are standing room only. So the oh. word is getting out. Okay. Uh, we're 10 years old, but it usually takes a while for people to, you know, get the word out. So we, it, but we want to get better at how to promote these concerts. We, we send, um, flyers and posters out to our network of people, obviously. And like I said, social media, but. Uh-huh. If you have any ideas about how we can, get <laughs> well, if the you have standing room only, it sounds like you're doing something right, and maybe are ready for a bigger venue. <laughs> yeah, or multiple concerts, but that's a problem because most of our players are, you know, working professionals. So sure, sure, they have other jobs. Sure. Where does the funding come from for WSO, and is that kind of typical across most community music groups? Yes, I think the latter is the uh, resounding yes. Um, there is an organization in Minnesota, the Minnesota Regional Arts Council. They have monies available to support arts in the region, okay. in the state, actually. And so we've gotten a grant from them every year. Uh, we have several large donors who believe in what we're doing. Uh, we've gotten grants from a couple other sources. We got a grant from uh, University of Minnesota for one of their uh, music professors to write a piece for us, Dean Sorensen. Mm, yeah. um, but mainly it's um, begging begging for money okay <laughs> <laughs> because at, even though our concerts are free we have um suggested donation a basket at the door uh, we hope that people will donate to what we're trying to do well you did a great job of giving instructions to your audience members and your musicians in terms of putting those quotes together because as i was reading through that i was like oh my goodness i mean i could almost make an episode just out of reading through these i'll put this document in the show notes so that other people can can read through that and see some of these really compelling reasons that WSO means so much to its membership, its audience, and its musicians. Tell us about some of the different music groups that are most common in communities like bands, orchestras, choirs, ukulele groups. Do you consider church choirs and worship teams to be community groups or are they different talk to us about some of the different groups out there i think it's all music 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 i mean whether it's a church choir or a community band or a community orchestra like ours or a trumpet ensemble or a brass choir i mean uh, like i said before musicians really crave the opportunity to be part of a group of like-minded individuals and so i think they're all in one category you know, there are different levels, of course. Yeah. You know, some uh, community groups have a higher level of musician um, and they rehearse more often and maybe with a higher ethic on the quality of performance. Mm-hmm. And there are some groups who gather very casually and uh, don't even uh, perform for the public. They just want to get together and make music together. Mm. So I put them all in the same category, Mindy, because uh-huh. it's it's all um, human beings wanting to make music with other people. Sure. If someone's listening to this, and they're saying, I would like to find something like that, that sounds like something that would be great for me. What recommendations do you have for them to find or start a group that would be a good fit for them based on what their skill level is and what their interests are? I think just a Google search. I have done a Google search saying how many community orchestras are there in Minnesota or how can I find a community orchestra in my hometown of, you know, Black Duck? 
how can I find a community orchestra within 20 miles of me? Or um, where's the closest community choir? I think Google is, well, we all know, it's just such an incredible resource. Yeah. And I think I think people can find things that way. Perhaps a chamber of commerce might have that information. I know why Zeta Chamber of Commerce has us. Mm-hmm. Um, for if someone were to call, they'd, they'd find out about us. Well, and I imagine even just getting creative with, with whatever platforms you're on. Like, for example, here in my neighborhood, a lot of us are on Nextdoor, that platform, which mm. groups people by neighborhoods. And that's across the country. Nextdoor, I think, is available. Right. So even just putting out a a message on that, a post saying, hey, does anybody have any recommendations for community music groups for someone who plays the trumpet or, you know, whatever it is? Yeah, great idea, Mindy. Absolutely. Tell me how you come up with these creative ideas, like Ann Bancroft and the flash mob experience. You know, how do you come up with your ideas? You know, Mindy, they just come to me. I I, I have to be outside usually. I, okay. I need to be in nature. I just, I just, need to be in nature in general. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes when I'm walking, an idea just comes. I, artists talk about this a lot, that the ideas are sort of there for the taking. And if you grab it and run with it, it's yours. If you grab it and try a little bit and it doesn't work, you just send it back out and mm-hmm. then someone else gets it. I mean, it sounds woo, 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 but really that is... That is how things come to me. And so usually an idea comes to me, and then I build a program around it. Like with Anne Bancroft, when I conducted a concert for the St. Paul Chamber Orchestra Family Concert, she had been the narrator for a piece called Wolf Tracks, which uh, is the Peter and the Wolf story. Mm. But in this one, the um, the young boy protects the wolf instead of oh. um, wanting to hunt it. Okay. And it's it's by Bintus. And and so I thought, what a what a great narrator Anne Bancroft would be. So I had worked with her before. Mm. And so when the idea of doing a piece about water music that that came first. The idea to do a concert all about pieces about water because there are many. Mm. And so I thought, okay, if we're going to do a, a concert of pieces about water, why not call Anne? Mm -hmm. And I called her and uh, we met for coffee and she said, well, sure, I'd love to do it. And that's the response that I get from so many people that I ask to perform with us. Mm -hmm. It's almost always, sure, I'd love to. It's never, well, if you'll pay me 5,000 bucks. It's never that. Mm -hmm. Because I think uh, at at those high levels of artistry, people want to share with the community Mm. Um, we've had Osmo Venska play with us. We've had Aaron Keefe, the concertmaster. We've had Tony Ross. We've had Bruce Henry. We've had Nachito Herrera. All these people are really eager to share their talents with the mm. community. That's so great. So cool to hear. And I'll include, of course, lots of links in the show notes of way lis- ways listeners can connect with WSO. The The website is thewso.org. You also have right. a YouTube channel for the Wayzata Symphony. Yeah, the uh, YouTube channel has a lot of stuff. Does it? Okay. Okay. So I'll include, yeah, lots of links for that. Tell us about the song that you're going to share with us for the coda. This was really incredible. And I want to make sure we have time to hear the story about this. So tell us about the flash mob song. (laughs) Well, I uh, mentioned it to our uh, programming committee. I said, I want to do a flash mob of Beethoven Ode to Joy. I just had arranged um, 
the Ode to Joy, taking bits and pieces from the third and fourth movements of Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 9. And I said, I'd like to do it uh, downtown Minneapolis where there's high traffic. And so we uh, talked about it more and more. We decided on the IDS Crystal Palace in downtown Minneapolis because I knew lunch hour is high traffic where people are going and coming uh, through that corridor. There are a lot of lunch places there. There are a lot of places that people want to pick up little things that they need, errands. And so I knew that the traffic would be high during the lunch hour. So I went to the IDS uh, people and I said, can we do this? And we had to jump through a bunch of hoops. You know, we had to get permission and licenses and all of that. And we couldn't really call it a flash mob Although I think a lot of your listeners know what flash mobs are. We had to call it a pop-up concert, which was kind of funny. (laughs) Um, Then we mapped out the space at the IDS Crystal Court and um, did a mock-up of that in the basement of Wyzetta Community Church where we rehearse. And we, it's a piece where uh, there are uh, gradual entrances. So the cellos start and then the violas come in and then the violinists join, and then the, the uh, wind players and percussion join, and then the choir joins the last. So there are five entrances. So we had to time our entrances so that it looked spontaneous. So we then, I did um, very detailed mapping of the music in terms of seconds, you know, going by. Okay. And so we said something like, okay, at 23 seconds, clarinets, you come from your staging area at the IDS at 23 seconds, ready to play at 30 seconds. You know, we did stuff like that. Okay. And we had, um, we had everybody show up in street clothes because the goal of a flash mob is to have it look like it's spontaneous. Sure. And we had staging areas at the IDS Crystal Court. We had to get permission for that. So we had like five rooms mm-hmm. where musicians um, gathered to get ready to play. But the other thing about this was everybody had to memorize their part. <sighs> and the violin part alone is uh, three pages and really fast notes. It's not just an easy playing the main tune, the Ode to Joy tune. Mm-hmm. So everybody had to memorize their parts and everybody had to get time off work to do it. <gasps> Sure. And so it was an endeavor that took a while, but the payoff was amazing. I mean, we've had over 8 million views now. (laughs) And I think the reason it's so um, special is because the theme of that melody, that Schiller poem set by Beethoven is all men are brothers. Mm. A la mensch brüder. And coincidentally... We did that flash mob three days after the terrorist attacks in Paris. Ah. And so it had special import. Even though it had taken us a year to to plan, yeah. it had special import that day. And the news media got wind of the fact that we were doing this. And so there were cameras there from TV stations. And I think some people assumed we just threw it together at the last minute, which we didn't. <laughs> but, but there were... Um, you know, people, as I said, it was lunch hour traffic. So there were people all over the, the upper balcony and on the main floor. And when the choir came in, you know, there wasn't a dry eye in the audience. And it just was a magical thing. It was everything I hoped it would be and much, much more. 
Yeah. Well, one thing that makes the video so compelling is the camera work. I don't know if you had someone doing that or if you were able to pick up on what the news cameras were shooting, but the camera work really was great. It really captured the different responses and emotions of participants, both musicians and bystanders and audience members. Yeah, we had two camera people that were um, still in in college. Oh, really? Do that because we couldn't afford... Sure. Camera people. And they then took also cell phone videos, cell phone footage from people who had been there. Oh, wow. So they compiled it all and created that amazing thing. I mean, it just was um, quite a remarkable thing, almost kind of, I hate to say this phrase, but almost meant to be. Everything just aligned to make it work. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Oh, very much so. I'll include some audio from that, but. I really encourage listeners to go to the show notes and watch the video because there's something about having that visual aspect of it at the same time where you can see people's responses and see the joy of the musicians in playing and the the curiosity and the joy and the engagement of audience members as they get involved. it's, It's just really moving and really incredible.
That gives me goosebumps to listen to, and it is even more powerful to watch the video. So do yourself a favor and check out the flash mob video in the show notes so you can get the visuals as well. I'm also including in the show notes a link to the YouTube video Marlene mentioned of the pink balloon performance of Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata by Dave Hall. It is very entertaining, as you can imagine. Thank you so much to Marlene and the extended Wyzetta Symphony Orchestra family for sharing with us a peek behind the curtain of your orchestra and for your insights into the joys of community music making. I play on our church's worship team about once a month, and this conversation has definitely given me greater appreciation for the meaning that I get out of this experience. I can't wait until WSO is able to get back to your concerts again, and I can attend and experience you in action. Today is December 8, and we are in full swing of a gift-giving season. If you are looking for some creative ideas to give the gift of music to others, including some ways that are completely free, check out last week's episode on research-backed ways to gift music, the gift that keeps on giving. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.